Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 236. That's a lot of episodes. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Oh, just hanging out here with the new puppy. Look at that. Stormy making an appearance already. Oh, she's, he's eating the freaking microphone. All right. Oh, boy. That's a problem. playing with his stuff. What a cute little fella. Yeah, he's a handful, huh? but it's a puppy. That's what puppies do, right? That's what puppies do. Puppies <laughs> eat microphones. We talk into them every week. So, you know, we're all just kind of being our best selves. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. If you want to hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. And a big shout out and thank you. We got a email this week from a young man who is a senior in high school who is writing his intro to journalism final about yours truly. Yeah, that was awesome. That is super cool. We really do appreciate that. Sometimes we feel like we're just talking into the abyss, but then we get emails like that and we realize that there are crazy, strange people who are listening to this podcast and identifying with it. So we have real fans. Like it's nice to to hear that feedback. We have real fans and we really, really do appreciate it. It's awesome. And you know, we're happy that we're of we're kindred spirits in this journey on snow. So thank you so much. And if you want to hit us up, ski podcast at gmail.com. If you want stickers, hit us up there too. Or Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, untapped. We are at ski bump podcast. Go to your favorite podcasting app, rate us, subscribe. We'd really appreciate that. Mario, you're being attacked by the dog. So thank you everyone for listening. We want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First off, Valon, Valon Eyewear, V-A-L-L-O-N dot S-T-O-R-E is their website. They have sweet classic styles with maximum performance, goggles, sunglasses, updates on classic styles using modern material and technology. They are originating out of Verbier, Switzerland, born out of a love of ski touring. They're independent, family owned, reasonably priced. And even better, with every order, one kilogram of plastic waste is cleaned up for every sale. So, so far, over 54,000 pounds of plastic waste has been cleaned up. So go to their website, V-A-L-L-O-N dot S-T-O-R-E, Valon.store. Check out their stuff, express shipping, free returns. And if you use the code SKIBUM15, you will get 15% off at checkout. That's a good deal. 50% off is it's pretty no good joke. Deal. It's no joke. And our other sponsor, a big thank you to our friends at Terracia. Terracia.com, T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A. They have sweet premium cold weather solutions. They have shells, insulated jackets, really sweet puffers, ski pants. They are based out of New Hampshire. They are independent they're a small shop they're putting together some really nice products that compete with all the big name fancy expensive products more reasonably priced their mission is to create best-in-class apparel to be worn in any cold temperature environment designed with thoughtful features and fit and always providing the optimum level of performance for whatever you are doing they believe that 
Good products can always be made better and strive to constantly improve, refine, and optimize all facets of their products. Nice. I have been rocking their uh, their shell. And, and I'm moment. rocking their jacket. Yeah. I you're, will be rocking their jacket this week. Oh, yeah. You're rocking the beacon. I'm rocking the sorrel. Their jackets are great. I've been loving it so far. If you go to their website, terracia.com, and use the code TERRACIABUM, T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A-B-U-M, one word, you will get 15% off at checkout. That's a great deal. Their stuff's reasonably priced, and it's awesome. Stormy loves it, too. Stormy loves it, too. I don't think they have stuff for dogs yet. Perhaps next season, they'll have a line of dog attire. He's going to be really big, so he'll grow into a jacket, maybe. Perhaps. Check him out, Terracia.com. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Mario, let's kick it off. The way we always do. It's time for Opray Today. I think uh, I had one of these a while ago, so this is the... This is one of the ones I'm trying to clean out my fridge again. When you start collecting beers, I like to turn stock over. Just drink it, give it to somebody, share the love. So you can so, buy more beer. Definitely. Buy, exactly. So I have uh, another, this one from Gilgamesh Brewing. I got this from the Beer of the Month Club, and it's the Doug Ferocious. It is a, I believe this is the IPA, with a little bit of Doug Fur kind of Christmas tree spice in it. It's very good, not too over-flavored. Not too Christmas tree-ish? Not too Christmas tree. It's just a hint. So it actually tastes like a tree a little bit? Not really. It's, hints uh, of tree? It's uh, hints of tree. Hints of tree. 8.7 ABV. It's an IPA, American IPA. Beer Advocate has it ranked uh, an 89, which is not a bad score. That's pretty pretty That's good. Very good, yeah. From Oregon, and it's a seasonal. So I guess they change it a little bit every year it's not like super hoppy but it's pretty well balanced so i gotta say i'm i'm liking it how about you bry what do you got i'm going back to one of my favorites from last year and i i think i talked about having one of these back in december this was from my friend john gave this to me shout out to john good old burlington beer company fistful of bees I don't have time to go to Burlington Beer Company because sadly there's lockdowns, there's quarantines and ah. goddamn life right now. But you got to train there. Like somebody sneaks you in the back door. There's like a shut, like you got to like pay somebody to take you around. Like it's, there's a whole thing going on now with COVID. Some effort is required. Yeah. But smuggling in, trunk of the car. Pal, my pal John was, was kind enough to bring me a couple of beers and, you know, Did he, 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 that? he, he, he must have keeps whatever he had to do. Whatever he had to do. Whatever you got to do to get him out, man. Yeah. This is quarantine. You, tough times call for tough. He's actually got VT plates on his car, so he's legit. Oh, nice. So he's yeah. allowed to just ride in there. Like, hey, load her up with some Vermont beer. They're like, oh, sure, sir. Running roughshod. <laughs> but yeah, he actually, he, he listened to one of the episodes earlier in 2020 before the world just, you know, collapsed in upon just itself. Dead. And yeah. I was talking about the beekeeper which was one of my favorite beers from last year. That was the Burlington Beer Company Honey IPA. This one is a Honey Triple IPA. And this beer is, it's, it's really good. I mean, it, look, how, look how thick and delicious that is. Wow. It's my wheelhouse. It's a big, heavy, hoppy, but like the, it has the hoppiness, obviously, because it's triple IPA, but then it has the honey, which totally smooths it out. You got citrus, you got thickness. This is a wonderful beer. I could drink this every Friday night and pass out happily. 
Grab it. Well, speaking of happiness, let's go to ski news. I'm sure most people on the West Coast have heard there is a mega storm right now that you guys, it's probably over at this point when you're listening to this, but it is hitting right now, dropping up to seven feet of snow in California and mountains in the Western US. We were texting with our buddy Nick before and then, uh, talking about mammoth mountain and i just checked their their recent notification they are saying that they have up to nine feet of snow right now damn so they are getting pounded p-o-w-n-d-e-d pounded right now with snow so now's when you you wish you got the treads on the car Exactly. You should have had them ready to go earlier this week. You might be stuck. They're, they're just getting, it's one of those things like people might not be able to get to the mountain because there is so much snow. It's a damn shame. That's why you got to go up early and just stay there. Yeah. They're Find saying by the end of the day today, Donner Pass should get that 80 inches, Squaw, damn. 80 inches, Sierra Tahoe, 82. So with that Kirkwood, much snow, 87. You think anybody's going to eat anybody on the Donner Pass in the next few days? The joke writes itself right there. I hope not, but that's pretty messed up. It would be ironic, wouldn't it? So big snow. There's big snow hitting the western, the western mountains. They needed it. It's been a long time since they got that that huge pounding. So Tahoe, Mammoth, all the Sierras, they're getting hit pretty hard. It looks like that a lot of that snow is going to roll into sun Valley and Jackson over the weekend. So if you're out Damn. there, you had wonderful timing. Damn. And then a little bit in the Northeast is going to hit nothing crazy, just a couple inches, but it's nice seeing those, those big snow dumps happening out West because they were in dire need. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Very cool. So rolling into that same kind of, well, it's, it's kind of the bummer version. It's the flip side. There's an article in SFGate, and they're talking about how you know this, this storm is going to pummel Tahoe, but meteorologists forecast a future with no snow. There's a big event right now that's happening, or it's just <clears throat> finishing up. It's called Operation Sierra Storm, which is a na- leading nationwide conference about weather, and it's happening on the south shore of Tahoe. Because of the pandemic, it was limited to 25 people with panels and speakers live streamed on Facebook. And it's about talking about climate change in California and Lake Tahoe specifically. And they're saying that models are predicting that storms, like the one that was hitting right now, will deliver rain more than snow in Tahoe in the future, which is very unfortunate. They're saying by... The year 2100, Tahoe is expecting a 3.6 to 9 degree temperature increase, which means summers in Tahoe in August will be as hot as San Jose. Well, that's going to be a big change worldwide then, right? Because that's not going to be just degrees for them. That means elsewhere, it's going to be a lot hotter. Yeah. And they're saying the snow might be all rain in the summer or in the wintertime. Damn. So well, it's kind of a bummer, kind of flip side to the the big snow dumps. I uncomfortable arguing either side of weather arguments because 
it's so politicized and it's so easy, no matter what side you're on, to find an article that will support, you know, support you politically. Right. And like you said, it's politicized, but there's also science saying that this has happened since time has gone on. Where I just don't know the answer. Of it going back and forth. So you wonder, is this a normal cycle? Do we really F things up? I kind of think we do F things up, but I also think there is a cycle. How much can we change? You know, again, like there's, I probably agree, agree with you more. There's a cycle and we're messing things up. But exactly. by we are messing things up, it's China and India that are messing things up. Because well, they're the ones who yeah. don't have all the regulations that we do here in, the, in North America. We could do all we want. We could buy a hybrid, we could whatever. But it's not going to offset two and a half billion people who are just still driving diesel engines, blowing right. factory smoke into the like smoke into the air. They're not going to just switch overnight. And we're kind of stuck taking all the pollution, having it go across the Pacific and then hit us. Right. I've heard personally from a friend that lives in Europe. He, he, we got into a discussion about, you know, uh, he believes America should lead. Well, yeah, we, we do lead in a lot of things. Why are we not going after, some of the other countries, like you said, like China that don't have regulations. Well, we really need to do that because even though we might lead and, and do the right thing, there's other offenders that are just destroying the, the earth, like even worse, you know, burning the, the rainforest. I mean, the, the act of doing that, I saw a show and they were talking about that and they're like, no, it's not just the trees that are burning. It's the earth that scorches, messes up the nitrogen, releases a lot of stuff up into the air. And it's just bad. It's being done in other parts of the world that you're not focusing on. Yeah. And those countries, you know, like the rainforest, a lot of them, they're just, they're desperate. They don't have the ability, like a lot of folks in the U.S. who are complaining about this, they don't have the luxury of having, you know, a trust fund to pay for their house, their livelihood, their kids, their food. Some of these folks are just like, we don't have anything else. We got to burn this down. We got to knock this down so that I can make some money so I can take care of my family. Yeah. Well, the big offenders too are the Vice did a thing and they were showing these companies were burning out these areas because they're, you know, it's more expensive and time consuming to actually go through and, and bulldoze over like some land for you to plant. It's a lot cheaper to just do a quote unquote controlled burn and burn down eight, these acres of land so they could plant palms for palm oil. Like that's what they were making. The problem is it's not the burning. It, it's the whole process of burning is um, it's just bad. Like it, it just messes up the environment a lot. They could do the same thing and they could take down all the trees and plow it over and plant in it, but that just takes more time. So it's more economical for them to just burn it down. It was it was pretty crazy. Vice had that that show and they were like in a helicopter and they're like, look at all the different fires that are burning today, just this one day. And there's like, there's a bunch of them around and people just burning out land. We're going to plant whatever crop we want to plant, but this is easier than plowing it over with machinery. And so actually, it's, it's, it's easy to, to be an American and be like, we're going to, you know, do all that we can. And, and yes, we're trying to be the leaders, but we need, we would need everybody else on the planet, which is, I mean, what percentage of, of the planet is the U.S.? Like 2%? You've got to stop being naive, right? So when people are like, well, you know, don't use, like, you always hear the thing, like, why, why are we still using styrofoam? Okay, yeah, I, I get it, right? But why are we still using 
Starbucks individual coffee cups that you chuck out. Oh, but they're out of paper. Well, but you're still taking that and chucking it. Why don't you have like a reusable mug? Like, you have the lids, yeah. you have the stirrers. That's all stuff that has right. to get all that stuff and all the packets of the sugar and all the, you know, the people take it for granted that, oh, it's made out of paper. It's recyclable. Yeah, it's recyclable. But why do you have to consume that much? We have to cut down our consumption of items so that we, we, kind of get things right. Otherwise we're just going to be still consuming a bunch of stuff. You could like go whole- to skibonpodcast.com slash shop and get this reusable Yeti mug. I yeah. have saved, I have kept the temperature in Tahoe down degree by using this mug the last two years instead of going and buying coffee. Yep. So you're welcome, Tahoe. Hey, Melanie has it. She's working all day and she carries that mug. She has cold, yeah, cold or hot, whatever she puts in there all day. Now I don't because I'm working from home, so I just walk with my mug. Boom, get. I, I get in the basement. I fill this yeah. bad boy up in the morning. I go in my basement and I hunker down for the day to work. And this thing stays nice and warm. Yeah, it's not bad. It's awesome. But yeah, it, it's consumption. You know, we're consuming plastic forks, plastic spoons, you know, paper product. Yeah, even though it's recyclable, we have to spend the energy and into in, recycling it, which is still, it's not great. You know? I saw a great meme too talking about it was a person with one of those like garbage pickers with a whole thing, the whole thing lined up with plastic masks, you know, those disposable yep. little medical masks. Yeah. They're like, thank God we banned plastic straws because yep. there's so much new garbage now with masks. Yeah. And there's masks and then there's the Keurig pods. Like everybody's like, oh, I love my little pod thing. So you take the plastic and all the shit that's in there. You use it, chuck it right in the right in the garbage. It doesn't go in recycling; it goes in garbage. So, how is that getting recycled, dude? If I have to use a Keurig pod, I feel like the biggest piece of shit. I really oh, do. I hate it. I it doesn't taste good either. Like I used to have one, it. and I was so happy to throw that thing out and use a reusable percolator. Now, yeah, I had a I had one of those Keurig pods for like maybe two years because I didn't I didn't drink that much coffee. But then you know it works in certain circumstance, right? So. Let's say you're single, you grab one cup of coffee at home, you go to work and they have stuff there. Like that's what I was doing. So the one cup, the one pot a day, that was fine. When I started staying at home and I'm drinking like two, three, maybe four, I'm like, yeah, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. I'm throwing stuff. So then I got a regular coffee maker and now I got wife and son that are drinking in the morning. I actually had to get rid of the 10 cup maker that we had that we beat up for like a year wasn't and a half enough? wasn't big enough got the 12 one and yeah, that's like, the i get one of those like fire station ones when it's like six right. gallons you know yeah but it has the reusable filter and everything so i'm like you just chuck everything in there boom and now i do the the dirty cup so i, I call it the dirty cup if i want an extra cup but i don't want to like empty everything out i just reuse everything that was used just chuck another cup of water in there and let it fly that's super ghetto. I love that. That's the that's the bodega God, coffee right there. Dirty cup right there. That's the ground, the bottom grinds. Like, yeah, that's a good cup of coffee. Right that's there. the opposite of cat poop coffee right there. Oh yeah. No cat poop in it. The dirty cup I call it. So I don't know how to solve climate change. Pretty sure it's real, but I don't know how much I can do to change it besides not being as wasteful as being more cognizant yeah. of our, our packaging. And I coffee. worry about everybody ordering Amazon. Now with COVID, people are talking about Amazon. I look at just my own consumption. So I order like five things off of Amazon 
They come in three different packages. And then I look at the packing for everything, not just the packing, the boxes it comes in, but packaging to keep it from rattling. And then the packaging that the product is in. And I, I put it to the side and I'm like, there was one day I got like, you know, a bunch of packages and I, I put it to the side. I'm like, that is a shitload of stuff for these like few little items that I could have just grabbed from a store. So I'm kind of like the, the, the delivery, you know, whether yeah. it's by plane or van Gas, or plane. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So if I go to a store, yeah, it came in from a big truck. I got to get out actual shop and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe bike to the store, chuck it in my backpack, which I, I've done a lot of times and ride home, man. That's there it. you go. That's it, man. I just want a bag of beans and some rice. I'm okay, man. That's go, it. Bro. That's key, bro. I captured my own rainwater. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of being chased. <laughs> speaking of being chased. So we're back to, let's say you're in Romania. You're in Transylvania. You're skiing down a mountain. You're thinking, hey, this is where freaking Dracula skis. What do you, what happens? You start coming down, you're catching some, some edges on your, your snowboard and a bear is chasing you. Like, I love this. The, the video is great. And the version that the New York Post has, has the little Dracula music on, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> because it's the New York Post. What else would you expect? Because it's the Post. Ah, it's just crazy. And they actually say the, the skier. No, it's definitely a skier. Oh, it's a skier. He's a bad skier. Got no oh, no, no, he's a snowblader. Dude, he's on snowblades. Oh, he's on snowblades, which is actually like, a really good teaser for our interview. It looks like snowblades, dude. It really does. It might be. Got no That's, poles. A That's like between a baby and a mama. He's no poles, and those are very small. I think it's snowblades. Snowblades. So, it's, definitely, it's definitely more bear than you want chasing you down a mountain. Yeah, you usually don't want any bear chasing you down a mountain. <laughs> so we were in, when we were in Telluride, they had signs up, beware of lynx. And I'm like, can you imagine if the lynx just came out and started tearing down the mountain, like chasing you? And just, I thought you were going to talk about our up in Vermont when we were doing a share house at Mount Snow, but we were there in the summertime for a weekend. And how the owner of the house was sleeping in the hammock. And uh, we were going to joke yeah. around by putting a bear suit on and running off to him. <laughs> Dude, that would have been great. Because he was just... It was a beautiful day. Like it was really nice out. It was like seasonable. And I was like, oh, this would be a great day to lay in the hammock. I'm like, he's laying in the hammock. I wish I had a, like a bear costume just freaking. <laughs> he would have shit his pants, man. Oh my God. He would have had like a heart attack. Then again, I don't know. Like that guy, he might have had some guns. He might have like taken me out. This is true. It's probably like, better he did Officer, look, he, look at what he's wearing. He's wearing a bear costume. Of course I thought he was a bear. I shot him. <laughs> it's one of those Darwin Award things. He, he would have won for that. Yeah, he, you know, he sacrificed himself for the laws. That's right, Do it for the laws. That's it. Um, so, but yes, yeah, so this thing they say he dropped his backpack, and that got the bear to go for the backpack for a while. While he got a away, distraction, right? That was a super smart move. Yeah, and then they said like rescue people came up. I don't know what they did to the bear. They didn't say. This is they probably threw rocks at him. Probably ate it. Look what we have <laughs> down at down at the lodge. We have bear soup. Dude, bear chili could be really good. That probably could be. You know, they eat a lot of berries. This is like good stuff, man. Yeah, as long as you don't get the weird like salmon eating bear. Those are the ones you don't want to eat. But if they're eating berries, well, then you make um, jerky out of it. You always do jerky. Always can do jerky. Next story. I don't know where I found this article. I like Cities.com. 
C-Y-T-I-E-S. They spelled cities wrong because, you know, they're cool. So they can't spell. They've got an article about secret stash of ski towns. Such nice photos of the towns, though. Ah, the photos are wonderful. It's one of those articles that makes you regret being a giant chicken and not moving to these ski towns unless you did move there and you're like, I made a really smart decision. And freaking go, right? Yeah. And the article talks about how during the pandemic, a lot of people were able to work remote and move out to ski towns and, you know, it got expensive. It got crowded. But there are still some places that are flying a bit under the radar. So they didn't mention them, which so now if they were secret, they are no longer secret because we're spreading this word. Salida, Colorado, which is a few hours outside of Denver, nestled at the collegiate range base, lies the town of Salida and its untamed backyard playground. 30 minutes from Monarch Mountain, one of Colorado's oldest ski areas, Salida offers easy access to mom and pop skiing in close proximity to the bigger slopes of Crested Butte. You're at about 5,000 feet below the continental divide with a population just shy of 6,000 residents of outdoor enthusiasts. Salida offers everything you'd expect from a mountain town, and when it snows, the heaps of powder at Monarch is hard to beat. Next up, Driggs, Idaho, tucked in the Teton Valley. Uh, you got Grand Targhee about 20 minutes away, and then Jackson Hole about 60 minutes. The town of Driggs still remains small and rooted in simplicity. A lot of adventure, not a bad spot. And here's one that you wouldn't think of as a ski town, unless you live there and you're like, yes, stupid, it is a ski town. Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And of course, they mentioned that too. Certainly not the first town to be associated with ski lifestyle. Santa Fe is quickly rising as a four-season cultured city in the Southwest. Just 30 minutes from ski Santa Fe, the local slopes sit above 10,000 feet, offering pow turns when it's golf season down within the city limits. That's pretty awesome. And Taos is only two hours away. Hmm. So, kind of a cool thing. Next, McCall, Idaho. Small town vibe, big lake and mountain ridges. You got Pyatt Lake and the adjoining National Forest. 30 minutes, you have Tamarack Ski Resort. Still only about 3,000 like people. little there. town. To the top of the... Uh, a nice little town. Article. Yeah. That looks like what Europe, is, though. That looks I like... Was, I always thought Idaho was like flat. I, I don't know why. Uh, we've been lied to. Been lied Iowa to, is super flat. See, Idaho has awesome mountains. Because I'm on the coast. Nobody, nobody even thinks about like the middle of the, the country. And then you're it's like, oh, states, yeah. cover, you know, dude, I, uh, that's one thing I've realized the last year is that, you know, you're such people on the coast and I'm one of them are just so arrogant about the coast. Arrogant snobs. There's nothing else to see in the U S except for the East coast or yeah. except for the West coast or, or the big cities, right? Like, yeah, well this, this whole lockdown and quarantine has really showed that, you know, it matters where you are. I know it's easy to bounce around and travel, but you know, I, we've all had those friends who live in New York city. They're like, this place is amazing. You have no idea. And you're like, you go to their place and you're like, this is a 400 square foot, hole 
worse than yeah. my college dorm that you're paying 3000 bucks a month for. Like, this is not living. This is not enjoyable. This is not the end all be all. Like just cause you're near a, a like some weird Thai fusion restaurant, like it's worth paying 3000 bucks a month for a, for nothing. Yeah. Well, think about it this way too, right? Like, so when, once they start opening stuff for Corona, like, you know, after the COVID lockdowns stop, right. Us going to Europe is going to be the last thing to open probably. Right. So we're going to be able to travel, which we are now able to travel within the U S if you want to break, there is so much fantastic shit to see in this country that we take for granted or we don't even know is there. The world's so, second largest skillet. Yeah, exactly. But like just even these plate, like you look at these pictures, you're like, holy crap, I didn't know these mountains and like just sprawling. People from Europe come to America and they're just like amazed. They're like, you mean this is all one country? Like I would have had to do passport checks like every two hours. You know what I mean? Like it's just a different, a different relationship they have with what the the places they live. So most especially in the Southwest when you go to some of those national parks. Yeah. I mean, Zion, Grand Canyon. Our national parks are fantastic. I mean, we're the only country to have that, to have national parks. That's because of Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. But if you're, if you haven't like partaken in any of the national parks, like they're fantastic. Like, and it's like, this is all free to like, well, sort of semi-free i mean there's of course things to pay but that's we also- one thing like that's one thing if you could tell me that my taxes are going to national parks i'm like cool yeah i think national parks should be free for everybody every citizen because we pay taxes from out of the country double it you gotta pay i'm just you know I'm, show me the money yeah if you're from another country you want to come visit you pay a fee but if you're from this country this is part of what we all pay into like, like this that. is us yeah, we have some amazing, amazing places. One of those amazing places, Whitefish, Montana. I got to say one thing. Tommy Mo. From Whitefish. Is that where he's from? He is from Whitefish. Look at you doing a little research for the show. I love Tommy Mo. I stalk Tommy Mo. <laughs> I you stalk actually the, do. I stalk the people that Tommy Mo stalks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the town and resort hide under the limelight of Bozeman and Big Sky, but don't be fooled because Whitefish has just the right amount of breweries and distilleries to help rejuvenate your soul after an epic day on the slopes. While the town of Whitefish remains small, the adjacent lake and staggering size of the outdoors only elevates the stoke of the somewhat rural high fives. Now, I actually have on my work computer, I have Google Maps Whitefish Montana bookmarked mm. so i was looking this year at like going to some place that i've never been to in the u.s like because everything like shit went down with the whole covid thing we couldn't go we had a trip plan in europe so cancel that and i'm like where do we go i'm like whitefish i want to go to whitefish what i love and i hate about it is it's hard to get to it's pretty rural so it's not like you take the train Resorts around there. There's a big Amtrak station. Right. But it's not like they have like resorts like popping around. Like I love it and I hate it at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to fly in and take a train in. I think once you're there, you'd be like See, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the mountain next to the lake. You know, like that's why Tahoe's so awesome. I mean, you're skiing if you ski at Heavenly and you're just kind of skiing towards the lake, I mean it there's nothing else. Well, that's all year, right? 
in the summer, you got the lake. Yeah. If you but can yeah. have both like that, I mean, that's, mm. that's a beautiful thing. All right. And last on this list, Rosalind, British Columbia. Like most of these ski towns, an old mining town, Rosalind and its Red Mountain Resort bring together the best of the distant redneck mentality with ski town vibes. The town is small and the residents are more than thrilled to call Roslyn home. And adding to the allure is the surrounding Kootenai mountain range. Wow. That was pretty list. Yes. I'm looking up Ros- Roslyn or Roslyn now. Yeah, dude, it's like a super legit town. They Let's did, uh, Warren Miller was there, I think a year or two ago. They nice. did a whole, whole thing about red. I see Kootenai mountain. So Powder Highway. You're at the foothold, uh, foothills of the Powder Highway there. Ah, not too far from Spokane. I guess you go. Yeah, fly it's a quick drive north. And Red, of course, had one of the best marketing campaigns in the ski world with their Red Sucks. <laughs> nice. That was great. Oh, it's not too far from Banff National Park. See some some ideas if you want to head out, move west, and if you could ever down. get across the border. If that ever if opens get up, get across the border. Uh, Speaking yeah. of not getting across the border, so if you're going to the Alps, if you're on the French side, you're screwed because everything's closed. If you're on the Swiss side, you know what? Business as usual. Washington Post wrote an article. They said empty free, empty French ski lifts pack Swiss resorts. COVID rules clash in the Alps. What's happening? We've seen it. We were in Ischgl. We were in. Uh, few places in the Alps and you're actually going in one scary going from country to country. So what apparently has happened is France closed down all their resorts. So what happens is if you're in one of these areas where you're basically, you know, skiing in Switzerland, then going into France and then coming back, they have to close off those areas that serve like that go into France and then are serviced by France. So what happens is it, it piles up lift lines now. They were talking about Verbier as one of the towns in Switzerland that was open this past weekend. And they're saying people were boot to boot in snaking lift lines at the resort. Flumsburg, another place that was close to Zurich, was pushed to capacity limits and eventually had to actually block people from getting off the train station. And they said some resorts had to call in fire brigades to keep order. French people are driving to Switzerland to ski because they can't ski in France. And then the areas that they ski trying to get from the Swiss side, they can't go into the French side and ski. So there's massive lines and it's just, it's craziness. Oh man. They say it's bizarre. So they're saying they had this, this one person that was from France, uh, from Paris. She made a six hour trip from Paris, which is, I guess, a normal ride for them. And they said, wouldn't it make sense if they open the resorts in France so that people can scatter instead of everyone heading to one single lift, basically in, in Switzerland? And they said they didn't want to provide the full name or identity for who they were because then they would be subject to quarantine upon return to France. <laughs> so people were like, look, man, you want me to quarantine? I can't do that. I got I got stuff to do. That's game to do. It's kind of like when we were talking about, I think we were talking about Vermont. And they were like, well, you know, the, the rule is you're supposed to self quarantine and that's a great idea, but enforcement of that, you know, there's going to be people that are like, well, I don't feel sick. I'm going to go up. Right. I've actually been pretty surprised how 
little we've heard about big breakouts or resorts close. I know Hunter Mountain here in the Northeast, they closed for a couple of days a few weeks ago because some of the patrollers got COVID. But wow. again, we're at the end of January. We got through the Christmas, the big Christmas rush. I'm pretty impressed with skiers and boarders, how responsible we've all been. Got to tell you. But back to this article, one thing I talked about too, that uh, St. Moritz schools and placed employees and guests under quarantine at two upscale hotels after coronavirus results. Open bar is what I'm hearing. That's a bonus. (laughs) Pow, pow. Well, that would be where you went to the uh, Club Med, right? Well, that would be the... Was that the $40 old fashioned? The $40 old fashioned. I don't remember what it was. It was so much money. I don't even remember what it was now. It's like 46. By next year, it's going to be $120 old fashioned. I'm just going to keep catch a fish, right? That's right. getting bigger in your hand. I don't remember what it was, but like it's more expensive every time I tell the story. I think they were, what were they, $40 or $50 old fashions? I was like, like $42 or $44, right? I think it was 40 something bucks. I was like, is that for two? They're like, no, that's each. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. But they did use the Luxardo cherries. That makes it worth it then. Those cherries are the best. Yeah. It was good. I got to say the place was dope. Anyway, so So they... Speaking of dope, say you were in Jackson Hole and perhaps you were like, you know what? I don't want to go to one of the nine Thai places that are here in the Jackson Hole area. I don't want to go to the Mangy Moose. It's regular I, tourist trash, right? I want a fancy upscale dinner. And now, have you we, we did eat that we ate that one place with the locally caught trout. That was awesome. Yeah. No, Jackson, we had some good food. We had great food in Jackson. Okay, there's yeah. like 10 Thai food places. I don't know why. But there was were I Thai. Was it I Thai? Was like the one? tie you up and I want to go back to Jackson. That's my next place I want to go. Well, how about we get some some uh, friends or fans together and we go and get a $35,000 dinner from Chef Masa Takiyama. Now, is he the one from Billions? I don't Do you know. Remember that I stopped watching that show at a certain point. Well, so we just binge watched it because I got Melanie into it. Oh, Anthony Bourdain did a thing on him. Oh, really? Yeah, Parts Unknown Japan with Masatakiyama. Oh, nice. I feel like I saw that one. The Japan one was awesome. Oh, the Aria in Las Vegas. I guess it's the center. He has a restaurant that's the centerpiece of that. Look at that. Well, he's known in New York. Obviously, he's like a very fancy chef there. But what he is doing now in Jackson Hole, he's partnering with the hotel and Alpine Club, the Caldera House, to offer in-suite dining experiences for up to 12 people for $35,000. So for the price of a fully loaded Civic, you can have a dinner for 12. That's not bad. Dinner for 12? I mean... I mean, you break that down, it's less than 3,000 bucks a person. I mean... Uh, Trump change. I mean... You know, when I go out for dinner, rare, rare is the day when I can get away for less than $3,000. Dude, that's where you get the invite for me and you get the little CC at the end. It's not, you know, to invite other people. It's, it's chump change is what it means. 
chump change. Chump change. It's going to be like 3,000 cc each. Chump change each. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you going to Chipotle? Yeah, I'll have extra meat and guacamole. Boom. Chump Boom. change. $37 burrito. $37 cc. <laughs> cc. So Takayama, he will transport his acclaimed Manhattan restaurant to Teton Village, steps from the ski destination Stram for two-hour meals that can be tailored to your tastes. Nice. It's like, I like chili and only chili. Please <laughs> tailor your menu to my taste. I like chili, chicken wings, and some fried nachos. Like, nachos. Yeah. You know, the latest thing we're on is the uh, air-fried cauliflower. I want air-fried oh, cauliflower. About mozzarella sticks. That's right. Mac and cheese in this house. What do you got in there? <laughs> the menu is five courses featuring dishes like roasted uni and omi beef tataki with truffles. Can you do uni nachos? How about, how about, how about uni and omi mac and cheese? <laughs> that's, that's followed by a lengthy sushi course filled with toro, hiram, scallops, and more. You got any California rolls up in here? <laughs> Can you cook this little tuna a little bit? You got a Philadelphia roll with the cream cheese in there? Can you imagine just pissing him off so much he like comes at you with a knife? That's what it happened. That could be us. We could be those guys. So the beverage pairing with this lovely menu may include some vintage champagne and mm. premium sake to imbibe with your meal. So you I'm very by the vintage champagne. Have you ever had vintage champagne? I've had Andre champagne. That's about the only... <laughs> I, I'm a, little, I like a $5 bottle of champagne. Cold duck, little Thunderbird, maybe. <laughs> Andre was our brand. Me and Andrea. Whenever we had champagne, it was Andre. Oh. For some hood rat ass people. Now I get the one from Costco for like five bucks. Get it by the case. Drink all day. Kirkland, Kirkland champagne. No, it's not Kirkland. It's uh, it's Italian, so it's Prosecco. It's not a Kirkland Prosecco? I don't think it is. It probably is. Hold on a second. It's five just, bucks a case. Come on, man. We just added it to our Costco list to buy another case because we're down to like three bottles. And that's a concern in this house. <laughs> you know, you wake up, you want breakfast. You're like, should I have orange juice? Let's do mimosa. Like, who cares? No. And then the mimosa turns into, I just want champagne. It's like, why are we serving it in this tiny little glass? Like, I have a mug. Let's do a mug of mimosas. So the best is Mel and I. That's a great name for a restaurant too. So Mel and I went out. We went to a place to watch a football game. And we're like, you know, this new place. You know, was it Tom Brady, dude, going to the Super Bowl again? Tom Brady. Actually, it was last year. When TB12. Freak, freaking James Winston was there. Mr. I'll steal crab legs from Publix <laughs> guy. Um, so anyway, we went out. I'm like, let's see. I think the Jets were on or something. I was like, let's just go out and watch and we heard about a place, it's a, it's a chain, but it's like a steakhouse. So we're like, let's go there. They got like the game on and stuff. So we get there and then they proceed to tell us as we get in at like 11 o'clock for the one o'clock game or 12 o'clock for the one o'clock game, like an hour ahead. They're like, yeah, we have brunch and it's all you can drink mimosas. And I'm like, God damn, I think we might be That's Uber and problem. So of course we get mimosas and we're just drinking, drinking. And the waitress, you know, the bartender at some point, she's like, do you want less 
champagne. You want more champagne? And we're like, yeah, you could just bring champagne. She's like, well, I have to put a little bit of oranges, but I'll make. So she was just making them with like a touch of orange juice. It's like an orange wedge on the rim of the glass. But I love that. That was perfect. Just a little touch and boom. It was interesting. I'm white trash. I like a little more orange juice in my mimosa. I, uh, yeah, it's good. I, it's good. I don't, I don't like white wine and I don't like, no. do they have sparkling red wine? Like, do they have like, is that I, think now they do. I think they do have, remember I made sparkling wet red wine. Uh, that's champagne. I vaguely do. Yeah. Um, by why is there like Merlot pain. There is a, uh, sparkling, um, I think there's sparkling red I've seen. Or Cabernet. Uh, you know, why is there white wine? Yeah, well, there's sparkling. I think it's like sparkling red wine. Well, if you do want to go to Masa Takayama's Jackson Hole, I think he's the guy from Billions where Wags freaks out on the guy. He's like, "This man did not dedicate his life to to you dipping this thing." It's a great scene because it. Oh, I do vaguely remember that. That's pretty early on in the show, right? Stuff. He's like, he he didn't do that for you. Just stuff your your. Don't get in. Soy sauce and then a slurry of soy sauce and wasabi. And it's true. You know, you have to have, you have to respect what you're getting and what you're eating. I mean, a fish died for that and he crafted that. And I do remember that scene. That is a great scene. Yeah. And then he could still make a nachos for me because I'll eat it just the same. Right. So Takayama (laughs) is only going to be there February 5th to the 8th, but will also be returning for one off bookings through the season. So he's like, yeah, this dummy's going to pay me $35,000 for this meal. I'll go fly from New York to Jackson. I'm showing up. Hey, hey, flying from New York to Jackson. You're not flying. You're flying private. Yeah, this is true. You're paying for his ticket too, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, right. No way he's flying coach. So if you are still stuck in New York City, you can still go to Moss's New York City takeout. To mommy kit, that's $500 a person. That I think we talked about a couple of years ago on the show. Let me pose this to you. We fly out to Jackson. You do Corbett's. Afterwards, if you're alive, we have <laughs> Masakiyama come out. Thank you. Cooking dinner that you will never forget. How about that? Amen. Oh, Are you covering I, I, the tab? That's a great, yeah, I'll cover right the tab. Off. You, could be a you do the backflip off of Corbett's. <laughs> So if I'm in the hospital, will you bring the food to my bed? No, that's not that. You have to walk on your live. own power to the dinner and Masatakiyama will get you some stuff. I think if I have enough liver chips before I do it, I'm probably going to pull it off. Dude, I don't care if you have a cast. As long as you show up. As long as you're, you're alive. There, you, you do your own crutches. Nobody's wheeling you in. No, you got to do your own thing. Well, if I were to do Corbett's, Perhaps I would be doing it in a pair of J skis. Yeah. Which is what leads us into our main topic. We... I just want to know, can you do Corbett's with snowblades? Oh, who has anyone done Corbett's with snowblades? <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> so speaking of snowblades, ski blades, we had an awesome interview this past week with Jason Leventhal who is the founder of J-Skis. He also started Line back in the day, Full Tilt Boots. We had a really fun conversation. We talked about the difference this season, what things have been like, you know, his history of, of creating amazing brands in the ski industry. Here is Jace Leventhal from J-Skis. 
All right. And we have a very special guest interview this week. The man really does need no introduction, but we'll give him one anyway. Jason Leventhal, assistant to the regional team, Ski Blades team manager, also founder of, of J Skis. Jay, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Right on. Great to be here with uh, another ice coaster. <laughs> so how has this season been different for you and your team at J Skis versus, you know, a normal ski season? Um, well, same difference uh, as most of the country. It's just everything's different. But at the same time, I feel really lucky uh, to have skiing because it's one of the few things that is actually still happening, you know, without a hitch. Um, people are going skiing and the mountains are open in the U.S. anyway. I know a lot of countries are not, um, but locally here anyway, we're just feeling great to be able to go skiing and we're selling skis like normal. Honestly, it's the same sales as last year. Uh, just again, I've spent a lot of my life complaining about the ski industry because that's the only business I've worked in. And um, every business is tough, you know, once you're actually in it and living it uh, daily. But the challenge of ski business is it's seasonal, you know, it's only for five months a year. So it's already much more challenging. And then with COVID coming, I was extremely concerned, you know, because to make it any tougher would be, we could easily just miss the entire opportunity to sell anything like a lot of businesses are going through right now. But we were very lucky to uh, have mountains open and people buying skis. And I think a lot of people were not spending money that they otherwise would, whether it's on a vacation that they go on an airplane or they go to the local bar or they go to the movies or go out to dinner. They're doing less of that. And what's left is to get in the great outdoors and skiing is an awesome opportunity to do that. So we're we're cooking along here. That's that's excellent to hear. I know yeah. we chatted with some folks from Ski Vermont and Ski New Hampshire before the season started. And I know there was a lot of like fingers crossed that people right. are be cool and be smart. And, you know, knock on wood, we're getting towards the end of January. And it seems like not everybody, but it seems like yeah. a good portion of people have been pretty smart about things. Yeah, it's been, I was, you know, I was really concerned early on, like, you know, there's a lot of rules to follow and for good reason, you know, the state of Vermont, you know, one of the more popular places to ski in the East um, has one of the lowest cases of COVID this year. You know, we've been real healthy here, but it's only because everyone's so diligent. You know, there's a lot of, um, you just care about your neighbor type attitude, you know, whether you think you should or not, you do the right thing for the betterment of, of everyone, you know, that's kind of a Vermont attitude in general, you know? And so the concern is people coming from out of state that are like, Oh, you know, screw it. We're going to a place with that's got a lot less cases of COVID. We can kind of just like run free here. We're not held down by whatever rules there are in New York anymore, et cetera, et cetera. But people have been pretty respectful. The mountains have been very good at like saying, hey, you got to wear a mask. And, you know, everyone, I think, is somewhat understanding, like, this is what it takes to keep it open. You know what I mean? You got to do the right thing in the name of the greater good, you know? And it's not just for skiing. Obviously, it's for everyone's health. But you know, you're not, if, if everyone's uh, as sick as they are in places like LA at certain points in Vermont, we wouldn't have skiing here, you know? So yeah, you just got to do the right thing. 
And yeah, and you made a really good point about, you know, that kind of Vermont attitude of taking care of each other, taking care of your neighbor. And again, so far, again, still, still in yeah. January, but it seems like, you know, people have been pretty, pretty good about that. And if you are sick, stay home, you know, wait. Yeah, just be respectful, man. It's pretty straightforward. You know, if you're around other people, put a mask on, like it's not hard. You put a seatbelt on when you're in the car and you pull over for an ambulance and you don't wear bare feet in the grocery store and blah, blah, blah. This goes on and on. And like people have no problem and out of nowhere, it's like, they can't put a piece of cotton over their mouth for five minutes when they're around people. It's like the easiest thing you can do to save a life. It's ridiculous that there's anyone you know, it's questioning just, it. It's just sometimes that people being told anything. Some some of those people, sure. I mean, we all have those friends, you know, like they can't be told anything. And yeah, I'm not going to bring a gun into the library. You know, I'm not going to yell and like start playing like a guitar. You know what I mean? In the library. I'm not going to, you know, there's like a million things that you're not allowed to do that are kind of like frivolous seeming. Right. But no one questions it. And uh, and it's just like, but but here it's like you got some you, you can get someone else sick to get someone else to someone else and they die. And and all of a sudden you're like, no, I don't want to help. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Give me a break, man. It's really so. it's like just just be cool. Like, like again, you're going to I know my big concern is like with this whole thing has been my mom. She's you know, my mom's older and I don't want her to get sick. So I was supposed to go to Utah next week. I'm like, you know what? I'm not flying. I'm not dealing with it right. because I, I don't want to put her in danger so I can get a couple of days of skiing or in. someone yeah. else's mom. You know someone what I mean? It's, it doesn't yeah. just because you don't know the person or you don't know how they got it doesn't mean it can't be coming from you, you know, so. But and, and so, you know, back to the original question here, you know, with all things considered, the ski business is doing good. You know, it's good as far as selling skis anyway. And I think the mountains obviously have a little less traffic, but um, seems like people are, are really hyped to get out. Yeah. And now you guys are are based in Vermont, right? Mm-hmm. Burlington. And, in Burlington. And now you're manufacturing, though. You guys are doing that in Quebec? Yeah. And how, back. how has that been um, during the whole COVID and borders closed? Has that yeah, it's, it's been fine. The skis, like product goes over the border without an issue. Everything's delayed shipping just in general worldwide, worldwide but it's been okay. Yeah, we're lucky. That's, that's awesome to hear. Um, now, a big question that I've had now, how have things changed? You know, when you started line back in the day, mm-hmm. how has it changed primarily from then to when you've restarted with J skis? Um, I mean, everything's changed. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing the way it, it was. Technology, um, media, yeah, design, I mean, just everything, everything man. Like, it, I'm not just like, there was many, many, many years, decades and decades of skiing did not change. And that was like, why I, that's what fueled me to change things that I could anyway. So like, you know, skis were straight at the time. There was no twin tips. There weren't no any wide fat powder skis. Um, you know, a resort owned one mountain and that was it. You know, I didn't own multiple <laughs> mountains. There was no social media. So like you only saw what you saw happening in the world of skiing by going to the Warren Miller movie every year, um, like physically going to a movie theater. Um, and then there was VHS tapes and and so it was a little more accessible, but like there wasn't social media to just like see what some pro skier did yesterday. You know, that was not possible. So you really counted on the movie companies and the magazines to know what's happening in skiing. That's, there's no other way to find out who's doing what in skiing, um, which is no longer the case. And, um, you know, obviously there was only 
well, not obviously maybe to some people, but there was only like 10 ski companies, like very big companies that were around for 50 or a hundred years, you know, the Rosinol K2, Solomon, um, Elan, Nordica, those brands, Vocal, those were the only options. There was no kind of, Hey, there's a little ski company in Colorado making skis. And then there's this one in BC and there's this one, like that just didn't exist. So like you had a very mainstream limited options. I mean, there was lots of options in terms of models and brands, but there wasn't as much creativity going on. You know, that's what I think the small brands bring. And that's what, you know, that's what I tried to kick off back in 95 with starting line skis. Um, and there was a lot now there's hundreds of other small brands and it's just like micro brew beers, the way I see it. Like <laughs> it's fine to have, you could drink Budweiser, Coors and Molson and all those like all day. And they have lots of different models of beer under them, but there's nothing like, you know, the micro brews that are now brewed every city in America. Right. So, well, Vermont, um, especially, I'm sure there's some yeah, guy down Vermont. the street making one barrel that everyone's lining up to buy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's big entrepreneurship in Vermont always. I mean, you put an apple pie out on your porch, you can sell it, you know, it's that <laughs> attitude, you know, magnified is like the culture of entrepreneurship in Vermont. And Look people at Bernie Sanders now, the lady who made his gloves is now exactly. getting inundated with requests. Yeah. Ber Bernie was like, that's the epitome of Vermont right there. It's like, I got the, someone made them. I made them. You want them here? I'll sell them to you, you know? And that's that entrepreneurial spirit applied to food and liquor and skis and snowboards and everything else, you know? So yeah, that's, uh, it's a good place for all that. So before you started line, had you been entrepreneurial at all? Or is it just that you wanted to make your own skis because you didn't like what was out there? Yeah. I mean, I'm just a creative person in general. Um, I'm just, and I just apply it to whatever as a kid making, you know, launch ramps for hitting jumps on bikes or skateboards or whatever, just modifying my gear and watching other action sports evolve. And I just, was frustrated by being limited by my skis. I wasn't able to do what I could on my snowboard or skateboard or other products. So I thought it really needed to make a change be made in ski design, you know, the product itself. Then your timing too, mid nineties with the X games and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That just came about all the action sports were on fire, but skiing just didn't exist in that, in that realm at all. It just, there was no such thing as skiing in the X games or anything like that. Isn't it funny to look back at any of those like original X games and watch the tricks they're doing yeah. compared to what they're doing now? Yeah. They're like, I guess I've seen like seven year olds at Killington doing that same oh, thing. I won the gold medal with. No, I, I won the bronze medal in the first slope style. I was on ski boards and I only did a 540 and it was like the ugliest 540 ever. It's like <laughs> I barely landed it. It was only like a 20 foot jump. So uh, luckily it's not on YouTube or anything, but if you saw it, you'd be like, dude, that's like barely a beginner park. And they, even the terrain was made that way. It's all, it was all good. It's all part of that evolution, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, it must be really awesome for you to see what things have progressed to, because, you know, you were a big part of that action sports movement in the nineties and to yeah. see where it's at now. I mean, these kids, what they're doing, it's, it's absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. They're risking their lives, you know, that's the, at least they're getting paid right? now though. I guess. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not depending on the damage you do to yourself. But I mean, if you're having fun, then it's all good in my mind. It's just, it's also gotten to be a little bit, uh, 
aggressive as to like expectations for little kids, you know, like they just want to go ski and have fun. And next thing you know, their dad's chasing around with a video camera, sending videos to brands. Hey, you sponsor my kid. Hey, we're like not even going to school anymore. And we're want to be a super, and which is like, if the kid is really into it, I guess that's the opportunity. You know, they're Olympians that are 16 years old doing gymnastics have to do the same thing, but I just never thought I never saw it as that's the fun part of skiing. Like, but if it is fun for you, great. It's just, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it now that I don't think existed back in the day. And it, yeah. it, it sucks when it comes from the parents who are, yeah. I mean, they just, everyone gets in it, you know, everyone just gets sucked right into it. It's hard to, hard to step back. I think for some people, especially if they have the financial ability to, but then you got guys like Tom Wallace, who like just grew up skiing at a tiny Hill, you know, in PA and moved to Utah to go to college and, and blew up, you know, in terms of pro career without ever being trained or coached or, you know, traveling to achieve that, you know? So there's plenty of other examples as well. Henry Carlos, same way, you know? So I know you're a parent, so it's it's tough to you, you kind of want to find that balance where you want to give them everything you can, but you also don't want to be that like you know pushing too hard, aggressive, yeah. annoying parent that we all know it from every. Just want to be supportive, man. If they're into something and they're stoked on it, you want to support them, but you just got to be careful you don't burn them out on it either. And if it's come, if it has to do with skiing, it could also be life risking. You know that may not be worth it if it's like, hey, this is your chance to hit this jump. I know it's icy. It's sketchy. We would never hit it on another day, but this is a day where if you win this, then you get to go to this and then your sponsor will give you this. And like, before you know it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. That's where it gets dangerous. Like if you're not going to hit that jump or that cliff or whatever it is that you're taking a risk on, on a normal day with no one around, then don't do it then. You know what I mean? So that's, that's when it gets gone too far. But, um, Honestly, it's amazing. More people don't get hurt. It's pretty nutty, the sport, man. Yeah. It. It's like you may get money from your clicks on YouTube, but that may, I'll go to your hospital bill. Who gives a shit if you're paralyzed the rest of your life? You know, right? is it really worth hitting that jump so you can beat some guy with one more rotation so you can get a free pair of skis? Like, you know, yeah. you got to step back and think about it. There's another event next week. Yeah. Well, there's lots of ways to get to the top anyway. Right. So another question I had, so, you know, you, you were started line, you know, you guys got bought up and you came back again with J skis. Like what was it that made you want to come back and do it all again? Yeah, there was just the opportunities like I was talking about earlier that didn't exist previous previously, like ability to sell online, to literally sell to every one of your consumers directly, speak to them directly, support them directly, promote like, on social media, you know, you could, you'd have so much more flexibility. You just, it became in my mind as a coming from the business world, it, it's more of like a free world actually, uh, for the first time being that you're not paying everyone off to achieve things. You don't have to pay a magazine to get the word out. You don't have to pay like someone to be in a video, you make your own video, you know, and you don't have to convince a spend months and years convincing a store to put your skis in the store just so you can sell to the guy down the street. You just sell it to the guy down the street directly. So huge opportunity to be much more flexible and free in what you do, how you do, when you do what, 
uh, operating a business, you know, when I started in 2013, Jay Skis versus when I started Line in 95, uh, and there really wasn't even ability to sell online. So it was motivating for me to say, hey, I think I want to, I've been wanting to do things a bit different, but haven't had the, the tools that now do exist. I got to give this another go and see if I can, what I can make of it that I've had in my head for years, you know? Yeah. Has there been anything uh, in terms of manufacturing that's that kind of you saw that made you want to get back into this? Like, was there because I'm guessing from 95 mm-hmm. to 2013, there must have been in yeah. terms of manufacturing the the kinds of, uh, you know, materials that you could use for skis uh, must have changed. Surprisingly, the materials had not changed much. And that's one of the reasons Matt Sturbin's, uh started his ski company recently is just because trying to innovate on the material side. Because um, wood is still wood, right? It, it's like, it's Either honestly, there's been no evolution in it. it. It's the only evolution has been, revolution has been in shape, like the shape of the ski in every dimension possible, flex and shape. So it's like your flex pattern over the length of the ski and the side cut and the tip shape and the rocker heights, like all of that now is determining how a ski rides. Like if you actually cut a ski open, it's pretty much the same materials as it was 20 years ago or even 50 years ago. And even went back to sidewall where it was capped for a while. So I I think the factory part is not as big of an innovation opportunity as just the engineering. That's, that's the huge job. Um, progression that's happened so in terms of like i said the shapes yeah the engineering like the cad drawings like cad you know the computer drawn shapes have really enabled people to do more um and other than that it's how you market and sell has been the biggest change well that's one thing that you guys are absolutely crushing it on is the marketing because you know you know we as as with this podcast we subscribe to so many different ski brands yeah you know boots, skis, gear, whatever. You guys are super on top of things in terms of your marketing. Because I know that's how we, this interview even got set up. You you guys must have some sort of um algorithm set up that, you know, person receives emails. I'm gonna send them a personal email and I'm like, yeah. hey, you want to come and join our podcast? And you're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, that works. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But just following you guys, like you guys are you're you're consistent. It's not annoying consistent, but you guys always have so many cool collaborations and and interesting new products out nice. there. And it when you get a J Ski's email, you're actually excited because you don't know what you're gonna get. Again, <laughs> you guys are always doing something fun and new, like the Dinosaur Junior collab. Like, right like on. that's awesome. Like, how do you guys like? Is that you? Is that your team? Like, how yeah. how does how does your marketing machine work? Um, right on. Well, that's. So it's a crew for sure. And it's tons of just collaborating together and just going by the seat of your pants. I, I, as, as consistent as it is, which I got to give full credit to Taylor, Taylor Bebo, who, who's been working with me for over four years now. Um, he runs my, all the marketing and, but in terms of being like clockwork, you're describing like every twice a week, we send an email, you know, every day we post a social, but not in a way that's like so mechanical that it's Let's like buy our corporate. stuff, which it's is like, lame, we'll yeah. come up like, honestly, right now it's like, Oh shit, I got this podcast. I'm trying to like finish up this email because Taylor created it. And he's like, Jay, you got to look at all these emails and like put your spin on it. So like he'll, he'll a lot of times we'll me, him and bank who doesn't, does our graphics. Um, we, we will, the three of us scheme up some ideas 
And then Taylor will really like dial it in as far as the scheduling of emails and social media. And then we look at it and we just go back and forth. Like, I'm like, how about we use this as a subject? How about we use this photo? How about we throw it like this? Let's send this one as a this way or this one is that way. Or like something will come up on a random Wednesday. Like, oh, that's a rad video that Garai just dropped. Like, let's put that, send that out to our, to our email list next Monday. You know, oh, well, how do you want to do it? Should we just put a link? Should we put a picture? Should we? So it's just an ongoing real-time collaboration, brainstorming and decision-making. And I'm not very structured in my thinking. I'm more creative. So I just always want to change shit. Like I'm just constantly changing, changing, changing. Like he, he'll send me a perfectly good email. I'll just be like, oh, I want to just try throwing it like this and putting this in there. So it's it's the fact that you can be somewhat structured, like regimented in terms of like, we have a goal, we have a system, we know what tools to use and then be completely off the cuff, random in terms of, how, what we're going to put through those tools, you know, how we're going to put out. Like I, I got an email from some guy at boots from 40 years ago, these like Solomon rear entries. And he wrote me this huge email about how much he loved my master blaster skis. And I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to throw that up on social. I literally pasted the whole thing. I was like, Taylor, can you like, let's throw this in the schedule He's like, dude, that's a lot of text. Like, I'd be shocked if anyone reads through that much. I'm like, what's the difference? Who cares? Like, either people will love it or totally ignore it. There's nothing lost. So, like, that's the kind of seat of your pants. We're just kind of always just real time going with. And it did awesome. There's like 3,000 likes, like people commenting, wow. this guy's awesome. Like, I love his old boots. And like, so <laughs> you can do that, but you can also just, you know, you can get you know, the traditional stuff too, where it's like a POV shot of some, you know, pro skiing, some pal lines, you know, like I just, we just try everything and do more of what people like and what works and less of what doesn't. And always try to come up with something that is unexpected. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah that's all. Well, that's kind of like, you know, it sounds like, so you're the creative, you have all these ideas, but you have like your team to kind of rein you in a bit and put a yeah. little bit of structure around yeah. your, your creativity, which is, but, Hey, that's, that's the dream team. That's how you get these great results. Yeah. And they, those guys are creative too. I mean, they just, I mean, Fank is a wicked graph. He's gotta be the best, you know, graphic designer in a ski business. Um, I mean, shit, I've worked with a lot of, a lot of different ones, but he's, he, he contributes as much on the, uh, creative marketing side as he does on the graphic side. I think that's what really is unique. And then, like I said, Taylor's like, he's super like on point, but he's also comes up with a ton of ideas. So I think one of the keys is like, when you're working with a crew, there is no bad ideas, you know, just throw it out there. If you don't like it, just say you don't like it for this reason. And just keep moving on and massaging it. Eventually you come out with this thing. That's awesome. You know, that not one person on your team had that single vision for, but in the end it all came together and you all felt like, we created this, you know, and, and I think it's actually working. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, like improv comedy. They say, you never totally say no, is. it's always yes. And yes. Mm -hmm. And, and you kind of, yeah, you have this crazy idea and you're like, that's yeah. kind of nutty, but what if we yeah, change it this way? And then all of a sudden, yeah, three iterations later, you got a yeah. masterpiece, right? And you don't recognize the original, which you thought was the best idea ever. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's the way it goes for everything. Ski graphics, marketing, emails, anything we do. Like, so you have the one ski right now. The uh the slacker uphill mm -hmm. both ways on that's bro. Like yeah. that ski, I just I look at that and I just imagine someone at vocal bringing that to their decision making. 
<laughs> just all these like angry Germans kind of looking at it like, why would we do this? This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> How did that come about? Uh, we just say, hey, Gry, you got any ideas? And he comes up with stuff. And then we, that, it, it's the same process. Whether someone's, I mean, honestly, right now, last eight months, we haven't seen each other face to face at all. And then all along, like Fank, who does our design, he's been in Seattle. I'm in Vermont. Gry's in Utah. Our engineer, Francois, he's in British Columbia. Our factory's in Quebec. Customer service operations persons in New York, customer services like at their houses. Like it's just whatever, man. You're making it work, which is unbelievable. That's so I, great. I, I ran line skis and full tilt boots for seven years for 4K2 working as an employee. I was driving, running those two brands and I worked from my guest room, my house in Vermont the whole wow. time for seven years. They're in Seattle with 200 employees and I'd pop in there once every couple months and I mean, it's totally doable. <laughs> probably a completely different world in terms of like, yeah. I couldn't be under the, I couldn't just couldn't be in that city, man, after living where I live. Yeah, it just wasn't worth it. And yeah. made it work. So, you know, we're talking about these collabs you guys are working on. Do you have anyone like a dream collaboration that you'd want to work on? Um, well, the, I mean, I already have done some great ones. Um, I think Wu Tang would be awesome. Um, they're they're a little. I, I did it a collab with uh, Mastakilla, you know, one of the members of the Wu Tang, just him. Um, but then it's really expensive to do the whole crew and stuff. But there's, I mean, there's plenty. Like honestly, I don't. There's too many to even do, and it takes a lot of time to go back and forth with people, you know, to dial it in. So you really can only do what you have time to connect with on people with. Um, but you know, Bob Ross was pretty awesome. We're gonna do that another is Bob. Really cool, yeah. We're gonna do another Bob Ross probably next year. So yeah, I mean, some people you go back to it with it, and some a lot of times you're just fresh and you just cold call them. Ski the East is a blast to work with. We're gonna do another Ski the East too. So yeah, plenty, plenty to do. So you mentioned full tilt boots before too. Yeah. Do you ever do a boot company again? No, man. And that, I only did that because I was working for K2. It was their company. I was an employee, but I was uh, assigned the mission to bring that boot to market. Um, you know, and a boot, it costs a million bucks to make a mold for a boot, you know, plastic and all those different sizes. So it's there's there's a huge like challenge to even get into that market. And then you're just like, if you don't have something that's completely different, like what's the point? You know, there's already plenty of colors of the same boot out there. <laughs> Cause it seems like that's still the pain point in, you know, obviously when you're getting new skiers on board, yeah. I mean, part of it's also the fitting. If you're going to a, you know, a big mountain then they're just grabbing whatever rental stuff out there. So many people have a bad first experience skiing because they have mm. a really uncomfortable boot, whether it's too big or too small or just, they have a weird foot. Yeah. And you always hear people complaining about their boots. Oh, they're too. Oh, yeah. I, I'm the guy complaining all the time. Like the boot yeah. is the ultimate interface between you and the ski. If I don't feel like I'm completely one with the ski, it drives me nuts. It's like, 
And I think as I got older, my foot got like fatter and it's just more uncomfortable and I'm just getting like less in shape. Anyway, like it's really important to go see a boot fitter that's going to fit you for a boot. Like go to a shop that knows how to do that. And, um, but skis too, man, like I still see a lot of old skis out there that aren't the right, or even new skis that aren't the right ski for that person. Um, a lot of, that was the problem back in the day is they were taking race skis and saying, yeah, this is the best ski in the world for the best skier in the world. So this is what you should ride. It's going to make you a better skier. And it's the opposite of that. You actually need a ski that's easier to ski on so that you can be better. You know, like the best skier in the world is on a ski that is like really hard to ski and it's, and it works when you're going 70 miles an hour on an icy race course, but like, you know, so I think a lot of people are on the wrong ski as just as much as they're on the wrong boot. Yeah. Yeah. I know just, I was looking at my own uh, skis a couple of weeks ago. I was in uh, Pennsylvania skiing with some friends mm-hmm. and you know, Pennsylvania, you know, decent vertical, nothing crazy, yeah. but it was all, we're not talking powder. I've got my hundred millimeter underfoot skis. I'm like, and because when I bought them, I was like, everyone's going bigger. I want to go bigger. It's like, yeah. Because again, I'm just an idiot sometimes. Like, no, no, idiot. man. It's just like, yeah, I mean, there's a ski for every place and every person and you don't want to own like five pair of skis. I mean, you can, you know what I mean? But I'm all about the single ski quiver. I think anything over under a hundred is good in the East. Like I sell skis that are 98 wide all day to people that are like beginners, experts, you know, ski, some pal, ski, no pal, ski in the park, ski only groomers, like I'd say the 95 to hundred is really like you could have in the East, a one ski quiver in the West. It's like 100 to 110. You could have a one ski quiver. It's getting narrower, the, the not narrow in width, but like reduced in the variety of skis you actually need to, to achieve what you want. Um, one ski can do a lot more than it could five years ago. That's the evolution ski. And that's mostly the ski shape. You know, so that the same ski that's kind of narrow today used to sink in the powder. Now it doesn't because it has rocker and it has a different tapered shape in the tip and flex and everything. So people should be able to own less skis and get more, have more fun on more terrain. That's really the goal. Do you have, do you have a particular J ski that you is like your go-to? Yeah, I ride in the East, I ride the all play and some, I get on the vacation if it's, a decent like boot deep or so and i'll ride probably the vacation out west or the hot shot out west because it's like a stiffer ski in the west is you're going faster all the time you just are you can't really get up to a certain speed in the east because you're going to hit someone or a tree you know it's like there's always a turn and they're like you're you're at the bottom (laughs) we have the upper point we could be doing this you know (laughs) we have the right terrain yeah and then i have one final big question right. what is the right condition for ski blades there is no wrong condition man it's team ski blades it's go 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 we uh i used to ski powder on those things man. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be very steep and you gotta sit back and make sure you stay on top but yeah the ski team ski blades is awesome man we're i'm gonna actually bring back i'm working right now on a higher performing ski blades like this thing's gonna i'm going all the way back to the old mike nick uh ski board uh those days and i'm bringing back some of those 
ingredients so that people can tear it up again because people love it man they go to the hill on them and they're like either they totally remember them and they're like oh my god i can't believe you're on those again or they have no idea and they're like whoa what are those like how much are they where'd you get them like is it fun you know so you know everything's new again every 20 years and i'm bringing it back hard you guys were always sold out i know that people are the jones is there you guys announce like 200 available boom they're gone like half an hour later (laughs) i wish it was that fast but i I appreciate the promotion (laughs) 45 minutes whatever (laughs) right on all right dave well thank you so much for your time um where can people find out more about you about j skis buy some stuff yep so j skis.com just the letter j s k i s.com and uh you can look us up. We're on all social media. You can follow me, just my full name, Jason Leventhal on social. And um, yeah, thanks for the support. Thanks for checking out what we're doing. And most importantly, go have fun skiing. That's that's the number one goal there. Yeah. Thank you for your time. And thanks for, yeah, again, we love what you're doing. You know, you're kind of like the Elon Musk of the ski industry. You know, you're like, <laughs> you had your Tesla, you got your SpaceX. You know, like a couple trillion dollars short, and (laughs) hey, start making thousand skis a year. We start making more ski blades, (laughs) start making more ski blades. You might get there. (laughs) All right, right on. I appreciate the stuff. Thanks, thanks so much, Jay. Right on. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. We'll have links in the show notes at our website, skibonpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out. SkiBumpPodcast.com. We're on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untapped at SkiBumpPodcast. Send us an email, SkiBumpPodcast at gmail.com. If you want stickers, that's the way to do it. Send us there or Instagram. Follow us on your favorite apps for podcast. Rate, subscribe. We really appreciate it. Also, big thank you to our sponsors. Terracia. Go to Terracia.com. Terracia Bum for 15% off. And Valon, V A L L O N dot S T O R E. Go to their site, Ski Bump 15, 15% off. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay blue. See ya.